one more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. Hi, this is John Binding. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. Ed Robertson, along with our guest, Ted Bergman. Ted is joining us via Zoom. Ted's book, Confessions of a Rogue TV Comedy Writer, 40 Years of Fame, Fear, and Combat Inside the Writer's Room, is the story of his life and career writing and producing network television for 40 years. It includes behind-the-scenes stories of working with the likes of Gary Shandling, Steve Martin, Red Fox, Flip Wilson, Jonathan Winters, and Fred Rerun Barry, among others. Confessions of a Rogue TV Comedy Writer is available in softcover and as an ebook through Amazon.com, other online retailers. You can follow Ted Bergman on Facebook. Here's something this is, this is another takeaway I got from your book, Ted. And I hadn't thought of this before. You sold your first spec script for the Munsters, 65, 66. You're in your early 20s. When you first broke into television during the 1960s, the tendency was to hire older writers. And a lot of this had to do with the emphasis of the medium and the emphasis of the sitcom. I hadn't thought of it that way. The reason that the tendency was is because sitcom, situation comedy, and... For, for that matter, now that I'm thinking about it, even the variety shows were left over from radio. Good Vanessen, he, he really, in, in my opinion, created situation comedy on radio. The Clueless Husband, Itsy Housewife, the Freeloading Brother-in-Law. And Variety basically was a vaudeville, just putting together a bunch of acts. Milton Girl was vaudeville, except it was visual and... You could see Milton up close. But those people, the writers of that time in the 60s, 50s and 60s, were guys that transitioned from radio to television. Two writers that I worked with on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour that were Emmy Award-winning writers for Jack, the Jack Benny Show had started with Jack and Radio. So there were people, and... I think, and I say this in the book, I was in the right place at the right time, and the right time was the fact that the Smothers, but no, the right place, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, because of their attitude, because of their youth, because of their feelings about what comedy should be contemporary uh, and say something, we're looking for younger writers. And so I was lucky. Gomer Pyle wasn't looking for young writers. 
Uh, I Dream of Jiminy wasn't looking for young writers. Those were established shows. The producers were well into their 40s and 50s, uh, sometimes even 60s. So it was gradual. We, I mean, I think Norman Lear probably was a groundbreaker in that respect in that he created shows that started saying something. Well, like you touched on earlier, to succeed in any profession, you have to have a little bit of luck, but you have to you have to be prepared so that you act on that luck and able to take it to the next level. So, uh, and more often than not, you did that. And the other thing, I talked to a lot of actors on the show, and rule of thumb with we talk a lot about the auditioning process and how when you audition for a casting director or a producer you're not yes you are auditioning for a part on what's happening or Sanford and Son but you're just as much auditioning for a role after that because odds are you know you're not going to get the Sanford and Son because it's you and 15 other people but if you make an impression on the casting director or you the you know you the producer they might remember you and say oh let's let's bring that guy in you know who read for me last week and much the same works with writing for the industry and you have at least two illustrations of that in the book in that you wrote a spec script for one show but it got your work on another yeah and there's kind of a rule um in that milieu of struggling writers who are in that part of their career where they're writing spec scripts and you're usually you know, relatively young, you don't write a spec script for the show that you want to get on because that those writers look at that and they're so familiar with the show that any deviation away from that they, they will look at it and say, oh, he doesn't get that character, or Archie would never do that. You know, forget this guy. The Munster thing, I didn't have a clue of what I was doing. I wrote a story that I was lucky my aunt worked across the hall from the, the show when it was just starting out. Mm-hmm. And my spec script was about Herman getting shot into space. And I had him in a rocket ship and rocket ship and, all, and six different sets. I had no idea that that was... Uh, economically impossible but like you say they looked at it and they said this guy can write a joke yeah you know bring him in because here's another thing this is a question you didn't ask me but i'm throwing out anyway i for this is this is the ted bergman show we're going to go in any direction you want to take we'll answer whatever question you want you know we're talking about breaking it one of the scariest things that i and have seen over the years is a guy or a girl who wants to write comedy and they send me stuff and it isn't even close. It is. And I look at it and say, if this is the best you can do and you're doing this, my God, I hope you don't spend the next year ten years, you know, whiffing, you know, <laughs> where, and, and that's really scary. But here's the way I look at it. I look at comedy writing. I think you're born with it. I think you've got it in your head. Um, but there are a lot of funny people out there. You and I have friends that entertain us and so on. But you have to have the ability to put it on paper. Mm-hmm. You have to have the Another way of looking at it is you could be born a natural athlete. Say a Mickey Mantle. We're doing a real reference. I have stopped following baseball since I left L.A. and the Dodgers 
so I can't give you any contemporary ball player. But if you have the coordination and the upright to hit a baseball, the analogy is if you're born with the ability to look at things in a funny way uh, and put them down on paper, you can go to classes and they'll teach you construction and they'll teach you uh, not to put the punchline before the straight line, things like that. Um, when when Gary Shandling knocked on my apartment door as a complete stranger, which is another thing we're talking about trying to get in the business, you got to have a lot of chutzpah. I mean, he had the guts to do that. And I read, he had written a spec all on the family and it was supposed to be a teleplay and it was like 14 pages. He didn't even know that it was supposed to be around 35. The construction was all over the place, but there were half a dozen absolutely home run jokes. And I knew I could teach this guy the easy part. I could I could show him construction. I could show him when you need an act break, that you need two or three jokes in one page, that kind of thing. But you need to really be born with it. You have to have a funny bone or funny yeah. bones. Yeah, absolutely. I do not have funny bones, but uh, that, that, that's why I talk to people such as you. But you're doing what you do. <laughs> Without you guys. Confessions of a rogue TV comedy writer, 40 years of fame, fear, and combat inside the writer's room by Ted Bergman. Available Amazon.com, other online retailers available in softcover and as an ebook. You can follow Ted Bergman on Facebook. You mentioned the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. The Smothers Brothers was a mid mid-season replacement. You joined the show at the start of its first full season and your take on the show happens to mesh with my take on the show which is as much as i love tom and dick's mothers i felt the second year when they started getting a little more political the show became less funny and and that that appears to be your take as well yeah i think that the show itself is a benchmark in television history um, up to that point. Uh, there weren't really any real political commentary. Uh, if there was, and, I'm, and, and I think we're getting off on a tangent here, talking about which one were and which ones weren't, but they were the ones that got the most notoriety. I could see it. I could feel it. I, I was totally inexperienced. It was my first big show, really was totally in a learning mode, but I was fortunate enough to be in a group of very smart, very experienced writers who had already worked for Gleason and and Jack Benny and some of these other shows. So they really had criteria to base an opinion on, and they could see what was happening. And very simply, in my opinion, what was happening was that Tommy's passion for the political atmosphere of the day, the Vietnam War specifically, overrode and blinded him to the fundamental fact that he was, he and Dick were given a soapbox to create comedy, right. not to create commentary. Now, if you can do the two together, like John Stewart, who's one of my all-time idols, that's 
the most priceless thing you can do. But John Stewart has said it, and I paraphrase: if it isn't, we're not a news show. Yeah. He's, if it stops being funny, we lose our life. And I think that's basically it began with us in that first full year, and I think it continued to the extreme in the second year. All the writers in the first year either left or were fired. I like to say I left the show, but I was probably fired <laughs> because I wasn't. So, and I would have gone. So yeah. maybe, oh, but you try and look at things positive. But yeah, I, I think that's what I mean. And I used to talk to Tommy about it. We were not close friends, but here's a little something that was not in the book that maybe readers said. I don't know how important it was. But at that time, when I met Tommy Smothers, he got married at my house. Tommy Smothers was going to the girl named Steffi Green, who lived in the door. And my parents were friends with her parents. And Tom was on the road at the time. This is before the TV show and even before the half hours had gone. And um, he was on the road and they wanted to get married. And we had a big house in Sherman Oaks. And so they actually literally got married in our living room. <laughs> right. And afterwards, uh, afterwards they, and after they got married, Tom and Dick did a couple of sets and invited me to the Troubadour where they were playing that night in, in uh, are you familiar with the Troubadour? Yeah. In the history of, yeah. Yeah. But that was all of maybe... 25 had just written the Munsters uh, and was just trying to, you know, get some attention anywhere else. But the interesting thing is that when I wrote my spec script for that show, they didn't even know about it. Yeah. He did. I mean, I knew it. He knew that I was, you know, trying to write. And so we sat down and we talked and this and that, but he had no clue um, that that was me. In fact, when I the set i got a big hug it was a big thrill anyway so be that as it may yeah i think that there was a great opportunity law but and and going you know, going back to a topic you know we discussed uh early in our conversation ted about regrets there have been many books written about the demise of the smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. There's an excellent documentary. I believe in the documentary, Tom says, looking back, you know, with 40-something years of experience, I believe Tom says if he had to do it again, maybe he would not have tried to cram the politics in as, as aggressively as he did. But, you know, you're, you're young and you do what you think is right at the time. The dementia of youth. <laughs> back you know uh, i again i have these conversations with my friends who are all you know in their 80s or about to hit it and we've known each other for 60 years of some even longer than that we about the insane things that we did as kids that by the grace of god we're still i mean really dumb stuff yeah and it it also translates into what you believe in but at the same time you learn as you get older um, to kind of round the edges off a little bit. You know, you're more of a manipulator. I don't think you lose. I don't think you lose any of your feelings about certain incidents or, or political leanings. But I think you learn where your audience is and how to reach the best way to reach them 
instead of shoving it down their throat. And that's a lot of things you do when you're younger. Confessions of a Rogue TV comedy writer, the story of Ted Bergman's life and career in network television, captures the highs and lows and various in-betweens experienced by just about every a television writer and any writer, no matter what industry they write for, Confessions of a Rogue TV Comedy Writer, available on softcover and as an ebook through Amazon and other online retailers. You can follow Ted Bergman on Facebook. Ted will be back in a few weeks to talk some more about his career as a TV comedy writer, among other things. We'll ask him about his experience writing for TV variety shows in the 60s and 70s, as well as his experience working with Red Fox on Sanford and Son. That's coming up in a few weeks on TV Confidential. In the meantime, take a quick time out, then we'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 866-490-3991-866-490-3991-866-490-3991. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying... Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. Hello, this is Robert Wagner, and you are listening to TV Confidential. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, revised 3rd edition. The complete history of the Rockford Files on television, now completely updated with more than 20 new interviews, additional photographs, and a whole lot more. 45 Years of the Rockford Files, available now at rockford45.com, rockford45.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential x.com forward slash tvconfidential or at tvconfidential on instagram and if you're listening to us on the tv confidential podcast please be sure to hit the subscribe button This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.